0: Are you a member of NCISS? Were you affected by Hurricane Ida? NCISS has established a disaster relief fund for its members. You can discreetly apply for aid if you need it. Visit nciss.org to learn more.
1: Are you an investigative professional? Have you heard about the investigators toolbox.com? Check out this exclusive online community for networking, learning, and data resource management. The Toolbox is a one-stop shop for all your investigative needs. Check out our robust collection of forums, our comprehensive learning page, and our expansive library of OSINT research tools. We've just released an app for both iOS and Android, so you can access the site seamlessly right off your phone. We have also partnered with some amazing companies like CrossTracks, Dell Point, IRB, ScopeNow, The Hetherington Group, PI Magazine, PI Gear, Merlin Locate Services, Carabin, the PI Institute of Education, and so many more. They're offering over $1,250 worth of discounts and benefits exclusively to community members today. Use code PIP201836 and save 10% on your membership. That's www.investigators-toolbox.com.
0: Need the best insurance coverage out there? Check out SIIS Insurance. Make your insurance purchasing process a breeze by dealing with the leading PI industry experts. All filings for your state PI license are handled directly by their staff. Certificates of coverage to your clients are fulfilled the same day as requested. If you work armed, no worries, as they always include firearms liability in their coverage. Coverage can be expanded to cover executive protection, consulting liability, guard operations, and for cyber liability inexpensively best of all, be sure to indicate on the application that you're a regular PI perspective listener or Investigator Toolbox subscriber as amazing discounts apply. So make sure you take advantage today. Visit Security Investigators Insurance Solution, siisinsurance.com. I I want to
1: talk to everybody today about ScopeNow.com. ScopeNow has been a big time sponsor of this program for quite some time and I just love their service. I've been using them since the beginning. I'm one of their beta customers, and uh, it's been so awesome to see them grow into the business that they are today and just how they just keep reinventing themselves and pushing themselves to get more and more information. What it comes down to is is Scope Now is a tool that you definitely need to use if you do social media investigations, any internet research, and really spending less time digging around and and, uh, looking for information I think it's one of the best points of how ScopeNow can help you their ai platform their analytics are amazing you really get an idea of what you need you're reducing the time you're reducing the manpower that you you're spending on doing this research because they're essentially doing it for you and uh, they're doing it correctly which is most important one of the new things that they're actually offering is this flagging system where you can flag behaviors and really highlight and um, look out for fraud if you're doing a lot of fraud research Uh, this is a fantastic tool and you can set up alerts. So you have uh, particular people that you're looking at, you can actually set up alerts to get notifications when the criteria that you set up is actually, um, is flagged and goes off. It's really, uh, really amazing. And their relationship and association analytics are uh, top notch, really uh, cutting edge and really, really cool. When they brought that out on version three, it was a game changer. I mean, really being able to see how people interact together, and, and uh, you know, having that relationship, you know, analysis is really, really something that's cool. You know, one of the other things about being involved with Scope Now is their ability to offer webinars. Their team is cutting edge on putting together and getting out really, really great content. If you're a member of Scope Now, if you know who they are, you've seen them around on LinkedIn, you'll you'll know that they're constantly doing webinars on these new websites that are coming out and uh, they're really staying on top of it. And don't forget, uh, any reports that you generate, you can actually white label those reports and put your own logos on and, and really make them look professional, which you know could equate to more billing for you as well. So check them out today it's uh, www.scopenow.com they're a great great company they should be one of the tools in your toolbox along with whatever kind of uh, search engines you do Uh, you need to make sure that scope now is a part of that sweet scopenow.com
0: welcome to this week's special labor day show can you believe the summer's over already today we venture back to colorado and check in with sam petito Sam joins us today to talk about canine investigations. (laughs) Sam's part of a small group of national investigators that specialize in this type of work. We also chat about the upcoming annual PPIAC conference in Golden, Colorado, on September 24th and 25th. So please welcome Sam Petito and your host, Private Investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome everybody to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. This
1: is Matt Sperry, your host. Uh, Today, uh, I have the honor and privilege to uh, welcome one of my amigos, somebody who I just keep running into at every event I go to, and uh, actually someone who's who's become a really good friend. So he's actually the president of the Colorado Association, PPIAC. I want to welcome Sam Petito to the show. Sam, how are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Petito & Associates, that is your business uh, in Colorado. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into doing what you're doing.
2: Well, I started this about six years ago when I got tired of being a cop. I didn't know what else to do. I had a background in computers, but didn't want to go back to sitting in front of a computer every day. Right. So I decided to start my own investigation firm and it turned into a pretty good business for me and a couple of people that I have working for me part-time. So what part of Colorado do you cover? We're in Southwest Colorado. Durango specifically is where I have my office. And we cover everywhere, south to New Mexico, west to Utah, north about halfway up to Grand Junction, and east over you know, a couple hours about to Alamos, about halfway across the state.
1: Right, right. One of the things I really appreciate about the Colorado Association is the um, ability for you guys to disseminate information. I feel like you're you're one of the top three of the state associations getting the word out there. Guys like Robert Orozco, who's handling your, um, uh, I guess the uh, the governmental side, you know the mm-hmm. uh, the, the lobbying side of of, of things and getting uh, the word out. I mean, there's lots going on in Colorado. I don't know if folks know already, but you guys officially sunsetted the the license here. So let's talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, that happened yesterday. Yesterday was the first day since I became a private investigator that I was no longer licensed as an investigator in Colorado because there is no such thing as a private investigator's license in this state anymore. Yeah, we had licensing for about five years. The legislature we had senators and representatives who backed us on another bill to extend it for five more years, but when it made it to the governor's desk, he vetoed the legislation. Uh, we still have. Gotten a solid answer on why? Right. Right after he made the veto, that's when everything shut down for COVID. So there was no chance of trying to get an override or get better information. So we're advocating for all of our members and even non-members in Colorado to get licensed in another state, yeah. uh, specifically, you know, for for veracity. So we can say to a client, "I'm not licensed here because it's not available, but I am licensed someplace else." Right. If any of the data providers that we subscribe to happen to come to us and say, we heard you're not licensed anymore, so we're going to yank your access to our data. I could just say, well, look, I'm licensed in Iowa now, or yeah. I'm licensed in New Mexico and, and still be all good to go.
1: Yeah, and that's a really good point. It's such a weird thing that they would want to turn revenue down. It makes no sense to me. To me, it reeks of you know somebody's lobbyist is has got an agenda on something. <laughs>
2: <No>. <laughs> I don't know. We we had a really good lobbyist working for us, Jennifer Castle. Yeah. And like I said, we we had we had enough votes in the Senate and the House. Um I think what, what got us in the end was after we got licensing here in 2015, a lot of the people who maybe had given private investigation a bad name, they chose not to get licensed. So right. it was all legitimate investigators doing this work. And at the end of those five years, the division of regulating authorities, my understanding is that they looked at all the complaints that had happened in those past five years, and I could probably count them on both hands. Right. And you know, some of those weren't even sustained complaints, but right. because there were so few complaints for more than a thousand licensed investigators in Colorado, Dora decided that they didn't need licensing and our argument back to them was the reason you we need licensing and that you haven't had a lot of complaints is because of licensing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, just a weird, like, why they would say that makes no sense to me. Yeah. It also speaks to the importance of the state association, right? The fact that you guys have training and you do have that continuing education, even though there's no longer a requirement for, for anything, did Colorado require you to do continuing education or no? No, no. Okay, so it's like New York the same way. But still, it's a selling tool. Right. So, you know, now you're no longer required to have a license. But if you're a member of your state association, it kind of gives you a little prestige. Like, yes, I know what I'm doing. I'm part of my state association. We do continuing education. You know, this is why you should hire me as opposed to. You know, the guy who decided yesterday he wanted to be a private investigator and has no training. Um, so, th- you know, those. this is one of those situations where state association is really, really important.
2: Yeah, and PPIC is, is also not an association where you pay your money, fill out the application, and you're in. Right. We probably turn down one out of every 10 or 12 people who apply. And just in the time that I've been on the board, I think we've kicked two different people to the curb who were members and then did something as a member that made us decide we don't want someone doing that kind of thing, whatever it was. We don't want them associated with our organization. So they're out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you guys, um, we're going to talk about it a little more detail after the break, but you guys have a conference that's coming up in in Golden, Colorado uh, in a couple of weeks, right? We do September 24th and 25th. Awesome. Awesome. So before we get into all that other stuff, let's get back to Sam, the PI, because I, I, I'm interested in in the stuff that you have done um, and your background because it is a little bit different. I know you, you specialize in, in criminal, but there's a canine aspect to it. So tell me a little bit about that.
2: Okay, so I became a police officer here in Durango in 2006, and I did that until 2015 when I became a private investigator. Mm-hmm. The last five years that I was an officer, I also was a dual-purpose canine handler. My dog was a German Shepherd, and it was trained to Find people and bite them if I told him to, but he's also <laughs> also trained to uh, sniff out the odors of marijuana, cocaine, meth, heroin, and ecstasy. Yeah.
1: I had a buddy of mine that had a, uh, a Rottweiler, and he thought it was the funniest thing to teach him. Like his attack word was like German for lunch meat which I'm going to mm-hmm. butcher it, but I think it was like mountain floss or something like that. And whenever he would <laughs> say that word, like lunch meat, <laughs> the dog would go bananas. Um, yeah. He, he, he loved, uh, he loved having that. I, I, you know, obviously Rottweilers and shepherds are different animals, but uh, are different, different breeds. Um, but uh, it's, it's very interesting how you develop that relationship with this animal you're working with.
2: Right. It, it is. And I also learned, you know, a, a lot of humility and a lot of patience because mm. You know, all through my professional career, no matter what the job was, I've, I've always been a pretty quick learner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've had some jobs where I was probably underemployed. You know, like after six months, the boss is asking me what we should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't have that experience with dog handling. That was really tough because dogs have a mind of their own. Mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 that's probably one of the few jobs that I've ever struggled with to get really good. It took much more time and much more work than I expected.
1: Yeah, I guess if the dog doesn't want to work one day, there's nothing you could do about it, right? <laughs> well,
2: that's true. And there's all kinds of ways, you know, just like with people, there's yeah. all kinds of ways to motivate dogs. Right. Some of them work, some of them yeah. don't, some of yeah. them are good for this dog, but not that. There, there was a whole new world of learning that I had to jump into when I got handed the leash.
1: I guess it's good you weren't working with Spuds Buckley, you'd be, uh, or Spuds McKenzie, right? You'd be... Uh selling uh, Budweiser's on the side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) And that's cool. So did you have the same dog the the whole time you did that or or were there different animals you worked with? The,
2: The same dog from 2010 to 2015. And then after I left the police department, they sold him to me for the token amount of $1, oh. which showed a formal, you know, a transfer of liability. Right. Um, and then I used him privately for a couple years after that to do private drug sniffs here in the community, schools or private businesses or, you know, people who thought maybe their their kids were doing something they shouldn't be doing. That's
1: so awesome, right? Mom and dad thinks <laughs> Johnny's smoking the reefer, so let's bring the dog in. That's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did you market that? Right. Did you like specifically advertise for it or was it like word of mouth?
2: Uh, it, it was, it was both. The company was called Durango Drug Dogs, even though I only had one because I really thought that it would be uh, a service that was more in demand than it turned out to be. Right. Um, and uh, like my dog was trained to find marijuana back when uh, marijuana still wasn't legal. But, you know, through the time that we worked, it, it was, it was legal, um, medicinally and then became legal, uh, recreationally after I left the police department. So, uh, but places like schools, you know, you can't have weed in schools anytime, anywhere. Right. So the schools were a, a, probably my biggest customer. Um, but interestingly, you know, the reason that the schools didn't use me as much as the administrators wanted to was because they got so much pushback from the parents. Yeah. If I went through and sniffed the school on a Monday, They told me they would have parents emailing, calling and showing up in person all day Tuesday and part of the day Wednesday saying to them, what are you doing bringing a dog in here and sniffing my son's locker? You don't have any right to do that. You don't have a right to sniff my daughter's backpack and they were telling the parents, "Of course we do. This yeah. is this is a school. You know, well, you we, know we the, have an obligation." You know what the translation
1: of, of that is? Is uh, my kid's now suspended, and is going to be at home, and I got to take days off from work? Or what's the big deal? You know, Sarah's going to get her you know scholarship to whatever. Everybody does it. Stop busting chops, right? That kind of attitude, yeah. I would think,
2: right? Yeah. Well, it, it was a good deterrent because we found out that. You know, I had always told them, I'll go in, you know, I'll sniff as long as you want all day if you want, or I'll go hit several schools at the same time. If I, I would go in right after classes start, let's say at 10 o'clock and I've got till 1040 to sniff lockers, or they want to move kids out of a room and have me sniff backpacks. Um, we found out that by the time class changed, word was out that the dog was in the building. Anything <laughs> that people were holding got flushed. Like we actually saw toilets clogged up because they wouldn't even empty out the bag. They would just throw the bag in there and flush it's it. it. It's um, that, a pound of weed that, doesn't go down so easy. <laughs> uh, we, we, we never found a pound in a school, luckily. But um, eventually we also started finding out that if we took the dog like to one of the middle schools here, by the time class changed at the middle schools, we couldn't go to the high school because they had heard about it. Right. And they were dumping whatever they might have had there. They, yeah, they so had it, their, uh... it was certainly a good deterrent. And then we would also do ruse, like I do a follow up ruse visit after every real visit, where we would just show up for you know, 10, 15 minutes and cruise through the halls, not stiff anything. And it, like every big intersection, I'd stop and have the dog bark. So the kids are like, Oh man, the dog's out there. We got to get rid of our stuff. Here comes the so, shepherd. Yeah. So even with the pushback from the parents, I think it was, you know, I'm glad that we were able to make that contribution, at least for that small amount of time and that's help, cool. help keep the schools a drug free zone. I'm sure,
1: uh, you know, th- those, board meetings or the, or the parent teacher conference meetings got, got heated and no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. So very interesting. Um, so other than, than doing schools, what other type of um, uh, work with, with the canine gets you on, on the private side? If any, well,
2: there's a lot of oil and gas production here mm-hmm. and the uh, like, there are very strict regulations for them. Like those guys aren't, they're not supposed to smoke anywhere In the oil patch, you know, anywhere out in the field, you go through a gate to one of those pump jacks that, you know, it goes up and down like this and pumps the oil or the natural gas out of the ground. Um, There's a, there's a higher risk than normal there right. than most places for explosions. Like those guys aren't even supposed to have, um, tobacco or anything. Um, right. so, um, certainly not weed.
1: I'm sure the um, ground so- is covered with like, uh, spit from people chewing, <laughs> you know, yeah. like packing a dip. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I've never
2: been onto one because yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's private property, Oh yeah, sure, uh, but, sure. but I did, I felt the concussion from an explosion at one wow. at my house one day. I, th- I thought a bird flew into the sliding glass window and I found out later it was because about two miles away uh, there was an explosion and, and a guy got killed there, but wow. that was, that was what it was. It was the concussion hitting my window from across the Valley. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: All right. So this is actually a good point to take a break. So we're going to step out and uh, let the sponsors do their thing. Uh, When we come back, I want to dive in a a little more to your criminal uh, background uh, because you've got a whole, um, you know, great resume on on criminal um, defense work. So we're going to talk about that. And then obviously we'll talk about the conference and uh, what folks can expect if they're going. So everybody sit tight
0: and we'll be right back. Are you overwhelmed with your current case law? Could you use some help with your skip trace assignments? With Merlin Locate Services, rather than adding staff, you can add an entire skip trace department of licensed private investigators who specialize in skip tracing. Check out merlinlocate.com today. When you work with Merlin Locate Services, you bring on a valuable experience and trusted extension to your team.
1: Cross-Track's case management system, that is what we are talking about today. Are you using a case management system? What are you waiting for? You don't use a case management system you really need to look into implementing that into your business regimen. I've been at it with Crosstracks now a little over a year and it's just been a game changer for my business. They are SOC 2 certified, SOC 2 type 2 certified. If you don't know what that means it means that their encryption system is second to none and you have to go through a whole screening process to figure out uh, if you can even qualify for that and they have. So you know with certainty your data is being protected. I don't think there's another case management system out there that offers that same ability to have the SOC 2 Type 2 certification. As you guys know, I've been uh, you know singing the praises of CrossTracks, and uh, I really believe in this product, and I believe you should check it out. Contact Brad, contact Pat, uh, one of the team members over there, and see if it's right for you. CrossTracks case management system, check it out today.
0: Check out the PI Institute of Education at PIinstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. The PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the TheInvestigatorsToolbox.com. So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. This surveillance issue for PI Magazine is here, so make sure you check out all the great content available in this special edition, available online or via hard copy. And welcome back, everybody, to PI Perspectives.
1: This is Matt Sperry, your host. Today, we are joined by Sam Petito from Colorado. Sam, welcome back to the program. Thank you. All right. So uh, before we uh, dropped out for the sponsors, uh, we were talking about canines and, and your uh, experience in, in uh, dog sniffing and finding the weed and doing all that crazy stuff. Uh, but that was just just a little part of your business, too. You do a lot of work with criminal defense. So tell me a little bit about that side of the, your business and uh, how you go about doing that.
2: OK, well, I got into criminal defense investigations after I stopped being a police officer. And I actually did it through a criminal defense attorney who I knew who will work the search and rescue dog. So we had the dog thing in common, and she's the one that brought me into criminal defense. And now that's probably 90% of our total business is felony criminal defense, about half of which uh, in the last year or so has become uh, canine criminal defense, where Mm -hmm. I look specifically at dog training records and certifications and tell the attorney. You know whether whether there's a good basis here to attack that stuff or whether the dog work in that case is solid and they need to find something else to you know, attack or um, talk to their their defendant client about.
1: So that's really interesting. So you're trying to discredit the animal for whatever they found, wh- whether or not it was an appropriate uh, search should have been done or, or I'm understanding you correctly on that?
2: Right, yeah. So yeah. if you get caught with 50 pounds of heroin on the New York Thruway I would review the records from the handler and the dog that led to the search and arrest. And what I'm looking for is, is the dog properly trained? Mm -hmm. Is it certified? And based on the training records, do I think the dog's reliable? And it's pretty easy to to do that. It's most of the time it's either clearly yes or clearly no. Sometimes there's a gray area in the middle, but that's for for the attorney to argue in front of the judge, not for me to make any kind of decision about.
1: So you had mentioned earlier that the the shepherd that you worked with was specifically trained for marijuana. That was its specialty. So is is that the case? Like each dog is is taught how to specifically search for a type of drug? And do they have to get like certified as a, you know, a a searcher for for a particular uh, contraband?
2: Yes. Marijuana dogs are much less like there are no marijuana dogs in Colorado anymore because right. we have recreational marijuana here. Right. So even, even though, you know, a 12 year old can't have weed right. um, in general, the use of a, a dog trained to find marijuana, it finds something that's not contraband. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it can't create probable cause to search, but mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, and let's say there's a, I'll just no name state, where marijuana is still illegal, the odor of marijuana (laughs) is taught to the dog along with the odor of cocaine and heroin and meth or whatever odors, you know, someone wants to, to train. I just, I just started working on a case with a dog here in Colorado. That's also trained to find LSD Mm -hmm. and psilocybin. Never heard of that before. Um, and you know, there's a lot of different kinds of mushrooms out there. So I'm curious to see how that training is done and how they discriminate the, the specific psilocybin mushroom from the other, you know, tens of thousands of varieties of mushrooms. Right. Maybe he will find
1: you some truffles, right? <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, I
2: mean you, you can teach a dog to go out and find truffles. So right. I'm sh- maybe there's a, you know, totally makes good, sense. good explanation for that. But you know, all dog training is really just a game. You yeah. make it a game for the dog. Here's the game. I say the word to you, you go out and find what it is I've taught you to find yeah. you sit or scratch at it. And I give you your ball or your tug or something and we play and I tell you that you're a good boy or a good girl and have a lot of fun. Um, and so it's, it's not hard to teach a dog to find any specific odor. And you just make a game out of it and keep the sessions short and fun for the dog.
1: Yeah, it would be really bizarre if you were like a cat person and you hated dogs and you worked with them. <laughs> that would be different. <laughs> yeah, You know, I've seen um, similar training with pigs. Like, especially for truffles. I think I watched some, like, documentary where they, like, trained a, a, this pig how to find truffles in, like, France or whatever. Uh, it's very interesting. I guess you could probably train anything that's got a good sense of smell, right? Yeah. Yeah, super amazing. Um, so that, that is quite interesting. Uh, I, I would say, I mean, are you aware of anyone else in the industry that, that does that type of canine uh, um, defense work, or no?
2: Well, there, there are... A handful. I don't know exactly how many, and, um, you know, I can think of five or six people nationwide who I know do it. If I looked really hard, I'm sure I could find more, Um, but it's, you know, it it just happens to be a niche that I fell into uh, in doing a regular, a straight felony criminal case with that attorney who got me into the work, who was also a dog handler. Um, She asked me to look specifically at the dog stuff and that's how I uh, started doing consulting and expert witness work specifically for police canines.
1: Right. Yeah. uh, So I would say you you handle cases all over the country then, right?
2: I've gotten calls, like I've testified in California and I'm going back there next week for a couple of cases. I've gotten calls from the East coast, from New York. Um, I've worked on cases in Oregon, but uh, the, the lion's share of what I do right now anyway is here in the state of Colorado, but the rules, the rules are the same everywhere. There might be different case law for you right. in New York than there is here in Colorado, right. but that's for, you know, the, the defendant's attorney to look at. I know all about the federal case law that applies, you know, when when cases are taken federal. And I also know about the state law here in, in Colorado. How often are you required to testify about the,
1: yeah your findings?
2: Well, I've worked on, Two dozen, 25, 28 cases in the last five years or so, four years. Um, I've only been called to testify a few times and only ended up testifying once. Uh, One of the other cases got postponed and the third one was the best. Um, I show up to court and the handler is on the stand testifying. And I sat down right behind the bar in this courtroom that was essentially empty. It's the lawyers, the defendant, the handler. And I'm the only person sitting in the gallery and that handler changed his story from my dog gave me probable cause to search to I was new and didn't really know what I was doing. I I don't think I have probable cause. So the, the prosecutor said, you know what, your honor, we're not going to drop this case, but we're going to continue without anything related to the dog search.
1: Yeah. That kind of makes sense. Right. Abandon ship. It's, you know, I've sat in on some trials, the the longest one I ever sat in on was like a three week trial. And one of the things that was so fascinating to me, um, I was working for the plaintiff, it was a civil case. And the defense on the the case, the, the way they changed their theories almost daily. So like they would come out and the the attorney would say, Okay, this is what we're we're gonna talk about today. This is why it's not possible And to watch the plaintiff just destroy that theory and then they come back the next day. Okay, this is what we're gonna talk about. Yeah. It was it was amazing to see it. I mean the the attorney who tried the case was fantastic. I mean, he just super sharp and he's like, Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna fall for this, you know. It was uh it was quite impressive to see that uh, that whole thing work. Uh, I, I think everybody in our industry should do it at least once should see that that how that works because it really helps you understand, you know, gathering information and things that are important um, and and all that. So, all right, well, well, that's cool. So let's let's move on to the conference. So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, so that is in Golden, Colorado, on the uh, September twenty fourth and twenty fifth. Uh, so tell me a little bit like who's speaking? What, what are you guys doing for the uh, for
2: the event? Okay, well, um, Golden is just outside of Denver, so anybody that wants to come could just fly into uh, DIA. Uh, well, I guess DIA is Dulles. I'm sorry, um, whatever. Yeah. D E N, yeah, but Denver International Airport. Maybe we'll um, fix talk-
1: it in post production. Maybe we won't. I don't know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> uh,
2: um, the uh, you know our hospitality suite will be open on the night of Thursday the twenty third. Yeah. And the speakers that we have lined up, we have uh, J P. Moore. He's a, a Denver attorney who always gives us a talk about rules of professional conduct and ethics. Uh, we have Jennifer Castle, mm-hmm. who is our lobbyist. She's going to give us a legislative update. Uh, Ray Pezoltz, who was uh, founder of PPiAC, he's going to he's going to talk about the history of private investigations in the United States, which I'm looking forward to. That's cool. Um, and then we have uh, Vic Casada from Scope now mm-hmm. talk. He's going to talk about automating social media investigations. Sure. And uh, Nicole Cusinelli and Jim Nanos from um, PI Magazine, they're going to. Um, they're going to talk to us about uh, surveillance gear and administrative or investigative equipment. Mm-hmm. And then, um, let's see on Saturday, I think Gene Ferraro kicks us off. He's, he's going to talk about, um, marketing, but specifically selling the intangible. Right. And, uh, so that I think that's gonna be pretty interesting. And then, uh, Rachel Roberts, who is one of our, uh, Love investigators yep. and members up in Denver. Yep, she's she's doing a case study on investigator timeline testimony, mm-hmm. uh, and it's about a case. The, the I think the title is murder or suicide. Oh,
1: wow, interesting.
2: So I think, yeah, and yeah. then uh, Ellis Armistead is going to round us out on Saturday. He's going to be talking about personally surviving in the private investigation. Yeah. profession. Yeah. He knows a thing have, about that. He's been around for a bit. <laughs> he does. He certainly does. And I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to be talking about surviving financially or surviving emotionally because yeah. you know, some of the cases that we have to work on are tough.
1: Yeah. you know, that's a good point that you, you bring up. I know like for me working on the personal injury side, uh, on the plaintiff side, dealing with family members, people that, you know, on these death cases, it's never easy. Um, and now, you throw in like the infant cases and all that. Like those are super hard, especially if you're, you know, you're a parent. Um, I know somebody told me one day they're like, how do you how do you deal with all that? How do you walk away from all that? And my answer is plain and simple: it's my faith. You know, like yeah. just just being uh, being a Christian and, and, and approaching life that way um, has been very helpful for me in dealing with that because it it can uh, it can definitely. Um, Definitely bring you down man if you want to bring you down that's great and alice is he's fantastic i mean that guy's yeah. just a, a wealth of information that's quite a lineup actually you got you know, a lot of really good people
2: yeah and our, our vp of training tan smith she's worked really hard to uh, not just pull together a good lineup of speakers but she's got us a great venue yeah and i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to to being up there and seeing everybody in person
1: yeah yeah tan's great really uh just a pleasure to deal with i know uh we, we're sponsoring the uh, toolboxes uh, investigators toolbox and we'll be giving away a couple of memberships um i i will be there in spirit unfortunately i can't make it in, in person and i'm really really bummed about it uh but I, unfortunately just with commitments time commitments it didn't line up uh but i will definitely be out there at the next one so uh how many years uh do you guys have uh, going in on doing conferences Do you know
2: I don't
1: know the answer to that. Homework, man. You can tell me next time we chat. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, that sounds like an amazing event. Uh, I know I had seen Jim and Nicole recently in Texas, and they were very excited to come to Colorado. They said, you know, we go to all these trade uh, shows and all these conferences. We're out and about. And they really do. They're road warriors. And he's like, Colorado by far is one of my favorites, is what Jim said. He said, you know, you just – the people that are there to the camaraderie, the, the um, content that they're given. Um, he's like, you, you don't find anything better. And uh, you know, he didn't have to say that we're sitting, we're sitting in Texas and he's telling me about Colorado, how, how awesome Colorado is. I know he really speaks very highly of it. Um, and uh, I've been to Colorado before. It's been a long time, but I love that area. It's just so beautiful. Really good stuff.
2: Yep. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that we're getting praise far and wide because yeah you know, grow, uh, you know uh growing up here in the pi industry ppiec is really all i knew for the first couple of years yeah and um, I've, I've i now that i know a lot of people in a lot of different places who are investigators yeah they, they say the same thing it's it's not just what they're saying to be nice they, they really like what we're doing and how we're doing it and we've got a really good team with, yeah. with PPIEC that helps put this stuff together, yeah, especially you, for a small association. You we really do. Have, you guys, we only have like 135 members right now. I think.
1: Yeah. And you guys definitely push your, your events and you definitely have a real eye on training people. Uh, even though no state license requirement now, that's still that push to make sure that folks that are getting into this industry know what to do. One of the things that really impressed me on a national scale you know, I go to all these events and you're at most of them that I go to. Um, you go back and you look and you meet the, these people and you're like, oh, where are you from? Colorado. Where are you from? Colorado. Where are you from? Colorado. So it's like all these folks that are like the who's who, the best of the best. Like Colorado is a very rich resource in investigators, right? You've got the Orozco's, you've got the beers, you got yourself, you know, you got tan Folks that have just been doing this stuff for for a long time, uh, uh, Rod Gagnon, right? Like, I've never met somebody that can do an acid search the way that guy can. You know, it, it's just his approach, the way how he he attacks that stuff, is so different um, and and neat. You know, really, uh, it, it's it's different. And uh, I was just always so impressed by the quality of the investigator from Colorado, which is so mind blowing to me that they're not having licensing requirements now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah I hold uh, Colorado near and dear to my heart uh, you yeah, know for for several reasons it's just uh, what do you guys got in the water out there why are your investigators also good
2: maybe it's the altitude I think it's just
1: the, pl- the place to like you know settle down once your law enforcement careers over right it's a good
2: place to live right yeah it's a it's a great place to live I mean here this yeah. is a four seasons resort and yeah. there, there are plenty of times even in the winter, you know, we could get a nice dump of snow. I could go up and ski in the morning and come back and run or ride my mountain bike in the afternoon down here. because, Crazy. You know, by three in the afternoon, the snow's gone. So I remember uh, the first time I was in Colorado, I was playing in a
1: soccer tournament. And we were in Arvada, right? So I played in a tournament in Arvada. Now, first of all, trying to play sports when you're from New York in Colorado, you know, like the altitude, like that's real. It's definitely real. Um but I remember being like 85, 90 degrees, like really, really hot. And then once we finished that tournament, they're like, okay, we're going to take you to, I think it was like Hot Springs or something. Like we're going to go whitewater rafting. We're going to take you up to the to the Rockies. And we're going to do, you know, whitewater rafting on the Colorado River. So it's like July 4th weekend and it's freaking snowing. <laughs> we're up there. You know, I went from 80 degrees to like, you know, snow covered mountains where, you know, you're whitewater rafting. They tell you, you can put one leg in the boat and one leg in the water. Essentially, that's what you have to do. And oh, and by the way, you're probably gonna get hypothermia <laughs> like in the water because it's about 50 degrees. So, uh, yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, but yeah, they so, say if you
2: don't if you don't like the weather in Colorado, just wait a couple hours.
1: Exactly, right, or just you know go to a different part of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but so beautiful, and like I remember the red rocks and, and seeing um, wild animals as I'm whitewater water rafting. Uh, and I think even the the hotel I stayed in uh, was was haunted, which was crazy. Uh, so here, here we are a bunch of young kids playing soccer, like all sleep, sleeping in the same room because we're scared where, you know, the ghosts are going to come get us. So. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good stuff. So, um, okay. So we're going to wind down here, Sam, this was great. I really, um, I loved highlighting what you're doing and this conference that you got going on folks. It's not too late, right? It's not too late to attend. Uh, by the time this, uh, this airs, uh, you'll have a couple weeks to still make arrangements. Um, I encourage you to check it out. Definitely, uh, it's, it's a good association. Can I give the website?
2: Yes, please do. Our website for the Professional Private Investigators Association of Colorado is ppiac.org. And in the banner, you'll see uh, as it scrolls, you'll see something for the conference. Click on that and it will take you to the registration page. You can see the lineup of speakers. We have 12 CLEs, 1.2 which are for ethics. If you If you need that for your license and uh, registration information both for the conference and for the hotel are available on that
1: page awesome and we'll put all that in the show notes so folks can just uh click away um i highly highly recommend it and like i said i was just reading off of a name of names of folks that are that i respect from that are from colorado and i know they're they're all going to be there um so you want to have that networking that chance to you know Grab a hamburger with uh, one of these guys, or you know, uh, drink some iced tea or whatever your 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 choice is. Uh, Sam won't have the dogs with him, so if you you bring some contraband, apparently it's legal there, but don't ask, don't tell.
2: Uh, right. Right. Or, and you know, you know, could could I also say that if yeah. if you're listening and you're an investigator in a state that doesn't really have a strong PI association or any association at all, consider joining PPIC because yeah. we do have the annual in-person conference once a year, but we also have online training yeah. every single month. The first Wednesday of every month, we offer training on a wide variety of, of subjects that are pertinent to investigators. Yeah. And that's that's a membership benefit that just comes along with your fee that you pay to join. So,
1: so I'm glad you said that because I am a member of the Colorado Association. So I'm based in New York. You're absolutely 100% right. the The training and the classes that they actually offer. And I, I'm a member of many state associations, and there aren't that many that actually give value to their membership. You are definitely one of them that does that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Associate membership, it's not expensive. Definitely consider it. It's, it's one of the good state associations to definitely be a part of. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I, I say it because I mean it. Uh, And with that being said uh, We're going to wrap up here I want to thank everybody for tuning in And supporting the show Uh, Please go support the conference Uh, Go check it out And uh, you'll be blessed, definitely So we'll catch everybody next week on the next show Thanks for tuning in And uh, we'll see you guys soon Take care
0: Now that was a fun episode Thanks to Sam for shedding light On the world of canine investigations Take it easy there, Rex Make sure you reach out to him if you have a specific need for his expertise. And don't forget to check out the info on the PPIAC Conference too. We also want to thank CrossTracks, Merlin Locate, PI Institute of Education, Scope Now, and the Campbell Insurance Group for sponsoring this episode. Please support our great supporters. Now, have you checked out the InvestigatorsToolbox.com yet? Now's the time to do it make sure you use code PIP201836 to save $20 when you join up. And you can do so through the app available on iOS and Android platforms. And if you have a question or a comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll be back on Monday with a new show. So make sure you tune in and please stay safe out there.